It is good to see each of you in our service today. We're glad to have uh, those from out of town. We're glad to have a group from Cabot, Arkansas with us uh, doing work uh, here in the city. We just, uh, again, appreciate so much our Baptist friends from, from Arkansas who have meant so much to us since, uh, since Katrina. Uh, if you will, turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, this passage starts out, Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. This uh, passage is about giving comfort to, to God's people. God's people who had been taken captive into Babylon and uh, who uh, were soon, uh, according to this prophecy, to be uh, returned to their homeland. Uh, the first part of Isaiah up through chapter 39 uh, speaks of a forthcoming exile, of judgment on the people because of, of their sin, because of their failure to follow God. And then in chapter 40, we see a change in perspective. And here, the, the prophet is, is speaking to a people already exiled. Earlier in, it was a pre-exilic people, but here he's speaking to those already in exile. And the word is, your exile is almost over. People of Israel were exiled for about uh, 70 years. The people of Judah, the southern kingdom, for about 70 years before they were able to return and, and uh, eventually build back the, the temple. Uh, the people were hurting greatly and needed the comfort. And God speaks through the prophet a word of great comfort. We all need comfort. The human condition is such that at one time or another, we all face times where we need to be comforted, whether it be a physical issue, economic issue, a job issue, a personal issue, grieving issues, so many things that can go on in our lives. We face many times in our lives when we need to be comforted. Tragically, people find comfort in the wrong ways. Uh, some seek comfort in substances like alcohol or drugs or food or illicit relationships, uh, fancy cars, homes, any number of things that we can try to get ourselves relieved of our hurt through depending on something besides God. But God wants us to turn to Him in times of trouble and to recognize that only He is able to give the right kind of comfort. Today, the feels like temperature is supposed to get up to between 106 and 111 here in New Orleans. Last night, it was so hot at 10 o'clock, I thought, oh, to be on the Amazon River. Uh, three degrees south of the equator and nights were much cooler than even last night was here in New Orleans. But um, uh, I've been having to water my plants every day 
sometimes twice a day because it is dry and it is hot and plants are going through that stress. And this reminds me of what sometimes we feel. We face uh, life's hardships like a plant faces hot, dry weather and they begin to wilt. But yet God is able to give the comfort that water and a little cooler weather can give to a plant. God is able to give us comfort and help. I mentioned Katrina a few minutes ago. We're about to, to come up on the, the uh, uh, 14th anniversary of Katrina. This was a time when all of us who were here during that time needed comforting. We needed sustaining and, and God used Arkansas folks to help us here in our church and to help rebuild homes. And God used people in the places where we evacuated to, to help give us comfort and help. Uh, we evacuated and, and the folks where we evacuated to in Alabama gave aid and comfort and help and bought new clothes for, for uh, my family and a family that evacuated with us. But probably one of the hardest things that we faced in Katrina was not the loss of all the contents of our house or the loss of our church building over on the Legion Fields or, or uh, for those that were here, the loss of this building, seven feet of water inside this building. But it happened uh, a few months later. In fact, as our house was completed over at the seminary campus and it was time for us to move back, our uh, children that were still at home at that time, Jessica and Jordan, they were 14 at the time of Katrina. Uh, they did not want to go to school in Phil Campbell, Alabama, where we were. My wife and I both went there and uh, it, was a, it was a pretty good school. And uh, we knew that we were going to be in Alabama for several months and the kids needed to go to school. They begged us, let us play hooky this year. Uh, homeschool us this year. And I don't know if any of us would have survived that. Uh, they begged for that. But after a, a few days, we knew we had to get them enrolled in school. So we called the school, made arrangements to bring them there. And as we drove to the school, there, were, there was uh, gnashing of teeth and grieving as, as they were going to have to face a new school. 14-year-olds don't necessarily like to go to a new school. So uh, uh, we got them there. Everybody was a little nervous. We took them in. The school had someone their age to meet them. The, the counselor met with them to get them started in their classes. Uh, my daughter was playing basketball at her school here in New Orleans and uh, she got put on the team there. My son was playing football. He got put on the, the football team. So um, we felt, you know, that it was probably going to be all right, but we were still very nervous. That afternoon when it was time for school to be out, we went to pick them up, expecting to hear a story of how hard it was, how terrible it was to have to go in as new students. And we asked them, how was it? And they gave an amazing response. It was okay. 
To a 14-year-old, that's like shouting at the top of your lungs. It was great. And uh, in fact, it was so great to them. After a few days, they both came to us and said, Mom and Dad, we love you. We love being with y'all, but we would like to stay here when y'all go back and finish school here at Phil Kemp. We laughed. We said, they'll get over that. But they didn't. They became more convinced that, that they wanted to stay here. They liked the environment there, which, which shocked us, having grown up in New Orleans. But they liked that. They were staying with, with my mother. They had made friends. And uh, Sheila and I did not know if we could stand this. We had friends that told us, you can't do that. But we prayed. We cried. We prayed some more, and they maintained their, their determination that they wanted to stay there and finish high school. As the end of the school year came, it was time our house was ready. It was time for us to come back. Sheila had already moved back to campus for the most part, uh, coming back on the weekends. And by the way, uh, she, for four years, drove back and forth. Uh, almost every weekend Alabama to check on our kids as it came time for us to make our way back to New Orleans. The day of, that we were to leave, uh, we all got together and spent about an hour crying. Our kids said, we love y'all and we're sad. And they cried, we cried, we all cried. But they said, we, we really do want to stay here. Uh, got back to New Orleans and I will never forget my first day back, my first night back. We went to bed that night. Our kids weren't there. And I literally felt like I was going to suffocate. My grief was so intense that we had gone off and left our kids. They weren't living with us anymore. And I said, I, I just don't know if I could stand it. I had a hard time going to sleep, a hard time breathing. Finally, I drifted off. God helped me in that. And uh, we prayed a lot. We talked to the kids. And, and that was the only night I had where I nearly suffocated to death. God gave his grace. God gave his comfort that we needed so desperately. Sheila and I still cried times together. She drove back up there as often as she could. Again, three weekends a month at least. Uh, we had church going back in New Orleans at that time. But God helped us through that. God helped our kids through that. They missed us. They talked to us constantly. But they did well there. In fact, they graduated from high school there and went to college there. And now they're working up there. And as they finished high school, the principal of their high school came up to me and said, Dr. Taylor, I want to thank you for allowing Jessica and Jordan to stay in our school. They were good for our school. It was good for the school. It was good for them. We didn't feel like it was so good for us, but God gave comfort that we so desperately needed at that time. And we learned that during even the hardest times, God is able to reach out to us, sustain us, and guide us during those horribly tough times. Isaiah 40, 
is, is a message from Isaiah, from God to the people. And it starts off in verse one, comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. This comfort my people, comfort was repeated twice, which is a way of, of great emphasis in scripture to repeat something this way. God wanted his people to be comforted, to be helped, to be strengthened in their difficult time. Verse two says, speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain <clears throat> and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass and all loveliness is like the flower of the field. The, glass, the grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain. O Zion, bearer of good news, lift up your voice mightily. O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Let lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing youths. Comfort people, a people that were hurting, a people who had become slaves in exile, a people away from uh, family. They had lost family members. They had lost friends. They had lost their temple and they needed comfort. And God said to, to Isaiah, give them comfort. Comfort my people. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. So words of comfort. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah were words about, primarily about judgment, about the exile which was to come. But here God begins to give them help, to give them hope for the future. And he says, speak kindly to them. So often earlier in in Isaiah and in other prophecies, the words were not kind. The words were stern. The words were hard because the people had failed God. They'd failed to do what he said. But here, uh, God says, let Israel know, let Jerusalem know that her sins have been forgiven. Their iniquity has been removed. The warfare or hardships have ended like cool water on a hot day. These words brought comfort to the people of Israel. He said, tell them that 
she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Her sins caused consequences, serious consequences, and they had been punished for all these sins. But God had a word of comfort for them. Jill Briscoe, uh, wife of uh, a famous preacher, uh, talked about some kids that she knew. She said one of our missionary kids was at a boarding school far away from her parents. She was a fifth grader. Heidi was her name. And she wrote a letter home to her parents that said this, my two first grade roommates are fine. They gave me the biggest bear hug tonight, but I will explain one of my very hard nights. And again, thinking back to our kids, Sheila and I, when we thought the Lord might be calling us to go into foreign missions, we said we could never send our kids to boarding school. And then when they were in ninth grade, we in essence did that. We sent them to school 400 miles away from us. But Heidi said uh, her two first grade roommates gave her a bear hug. But I will explain, she said, one of my very hard nights. I'm homesick, Mom. I was woken up by loud laughing. Julie was laughing really hard. hard. She had flooded the bed. Aunt Janice changed the sheets. I'd just gone to sleep when Esther woke me up. She was homesick. I got her to sleep finally. Then Julie woke me up homesick, and I got her to sleep. And drifting off, I heard Julie crying again. She had thrown up, and Aunt Janice was asleep. So I woke her up, and she had to turn on the light and change the sheets. I finally got to sleep. Last night, somebody woke me up so homesick that I crept into bed and we held each other. Even though it's a pain sometimes, I like to be known as the comforter. Little Heidi, fifth grader, sang that little girl to sleep. She sang her song, her song, because she knows what it is in the fifth grade to wait upon the Lord, the great music maker who can give us a song to sing and the power and the will and the joy to sing. What a blessing to see a fifth grader who's able to comfort others who are going through the same homesickness that she was going through. God is God of comfort. And God sends us to bring comfort and hope where it seems that there is no hope. We are called on to reach out and to uh, give hope to others. Verse three of this chapter says, a voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Here we see the, the order to be a bulldozer, an order to the land to be made smooth. Oftentimes in that day when a king or other important person would cross over territory, there would be those that would go in front to smooth out the pathway. They didn't have paved roads like we have today. And they would go in and make sure that the king did not get jostled out of his chariot or wagon or uh, the thing carrying him just to make sure that it was comfortable to him. Here, 
One more important than the king was coming, the Lord was coming to bring recompense, to bring his people back. And, and uh, the prophet wanted the people to know the land is being made ready. You're coming back. God is going to be there. And we need to make sure that the way is clear for them. And then God would be there for them. Verse five, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So God was there. And then he talked about grass and the flowers that fade and says, these things fade. Human beings fade, but the word of God lasts forever. The word of God was true. The word of God would not be taken back. The people would be brought back to their homeland. God's word is true. God is wanting his people to know this comfort, to know the assurance of God. Verse nine, get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up. Do not fear, say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. God is on the move and he wanted his people to know that. The people of Jerusalem, the people in the surrounding cities. Verse 10, behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Here God is compared to a warrior coming with might, with strength, with power, nothing to stop him. That is our God. But also our God is like described in verse 11. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flocks. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom he will gently lead the nursing ewes. So the mighty warrior, God, is also the God that picks up little helpless lambs and carries them, that gently leads the, the mother ewes that have their little ones with them. God is a God of tender mercies. God is a God that cares for us. <clears throat> Anton Chekhov told a story, and I've shared this before, it's a story about an old man who uh, drives a horse and buggy in a city for a living. And the story is told that uh, this old man's son died tragically and he just needs to tell somebody. And one day he picks up a wealthy man to take, give him a ride and he begins to say, let me, my son, my son, let me tell you about my son. And this wealthy man was so busy, he didn't have time to hear. He didn't want to hear it. And the old man driving the buggy had to get silent again. The wealthy man left the buggy and he picked up an, another fare. And he wants to be driven to the other side of the city. And the old man says, my son, my son, let me tell you about my son. That man too doesn't care to listen. And the old man grows silent. At the end of the day, the old man returns to the stable, unhitches his horse and begins to brush the horse down for the night. And the man begins to say to the horse, my son, my son. And he tells the horse about his son. 
We need someone to listen to. We need someone to give comfort to. We have a God who listens to us, who cares for us, who does not turn away when we come to him with our, our complaints, our griefs, our sadnesses, our discomfort. He is there to take us like little lambs in his arms and comfort us. He is able to lead us. And when we need it, he is able to go like a mighty warrior in front of us to provide a way for us through the storm. There's a song that goes softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. God does call us. He speaks tenderly to us just like Isaiah 40 declares. God speaks tenderly to us. And even when we're lost in our sins, when we're away from him, when we've disobeyed him, he speaks tenderly to us and calls us and says, Oh sinner, come home. Oh sinner, come home. We all need comfort. Right now, I know in a group this size, there are different kinds of discomfort that we are facing. And God cares. God knows. And God is able to meet your need. Softly and tenderly, he speaks to us and says, come home. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you that you're a God of all comfort and that we can come to you when we are hurting, when we are discouraged, when we are sick. And we know that you hear and know that you can minister to us. Lord, today we ask that you would give comfort to each one today, whatever their need is today. We just pray that you would pour out your gracious comfort on each of us today. And Lord, today, if there's one who needs to turn to you by rededicating his or her life or by surrendering to you for the first time and trusting in your son, Jesus. I pray, oh Father, that we will be obedient to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.